Welcome to the Support Automation Show, a podcast by Capacity. Join us for conversations with leaders in customer or employee support who are using technology to answer questions, automate processes, and build innovative solutions to any business challenge. I'm your host, Justin Schmidt. Good morning, Stacy. Where does this podcast find you? Hi, yes, I am in the United States, East Coast, and happy to be here. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to have you. Stacy. why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey to where you're at now in customer experience and employee engagement? Yes. So I am a corporate leader, a keynote speaker, an author, and also a podcaster about doing customer experience right. I've created a heart and science framework that accelerates customer loyalty, referrals, and revenue. And I believe that people buy based on experiences much more than price alone. So I am walking that talk both in my corporate world and by night with my passion projects. I love it. The intersection of those two factors is definitely something that I think support function and really beyond support functions. Like you look at just the way we do business in the modern world, right? Like having both the sort of like the heart and, 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 science side of of the equation is definitely something that we need to keep in mind as we move forward, as we adapt to how how the world's changing and the new challenges that are in front of us. So it's very interesting to me that is like the area you have you have spent so much time focusing on. And what's really interesting to me too is that topic comes up a lot on this show. And you're you're in a perfect position to expand on this because of the work you do with, with speaking and, and some of the the material you've created. Like it's on the top of mind of everybody in CS and CX. When do you think that like dichotomy really started to become something that CS and CX leaders had to sort of constantly keep in mind? Well. Customer service has been around forever. And that's what people traditionally think about in business. Who do I call? More recently, online chat too. Where do I get help? And that's customer service. That's nothing new. How we handle the calls, how we train the reps has improved. But customer experience is relatively new right. in as a practice and a framework. So that's definitely where the marketplace is hungry for expertise and how to differentiate their brands beyond just customer service, one piece of the journey. Right, exactly. When you think about that journey, do you think of the journey as sort of from the earliest touch point in the marketing cycle all the way through? the customers that's been a customer for, you know, 10 plus years kind of thing? Or are you looking at the journey more specifically in the customer side of that timeline? How do you view that journey? The answer is both ways. So absolutely, before they, they become a customer, how someone's going to learn and become aware of your products and services, marketing is the beginning, the awareness 
And then you have all these other micro, micro moments of purchasing. Is it easy? Is it hard? What's that whole experience in that part? And then getting what they want and using it and paying their bill. So all of that is the journey that I'm talking about that's so important to map out and validate that you're meeting the customer needs based on what you actually designed. But yes, then when you have a customer, there's a journey, how they can go online to a portal and do, you know, upgrade and pay their bill online as the customer and continue to interact with the brand. So there's the buying journey, but then also there's this loyalty journey as well. Yeah, the journey is definitely longer than I think a lot of people in both customer and sort of marketing and sales want to think it is, right? We kind of get not blinders, but we, we, we become very focused on our portion of that continuum of that journey. And when I say our, I mean me as like a marketer and Sammy is our, our, our customer, our VP of customer success here at Capacity. Like we each have our purview there, but the both of those sets of eyeballs, marketing and customer sort of pre-sales and post-sales, that is all part of the same thing. And being able to manage and measure the touch points with your prospect through the customer journey, through the sales journey into the sort of deep customerhood, if you will, that is more important now than ever because of all of the different avenues and places and media formats and types of messaging and all the different ways that we as marketers and we as customer success leaders have to look at that journey. You end up in this situation where your prospects could be interacting with your brand in 50 different channels that you don't have any control over, right? Whether that be a community conversation somewhere, that be a Facebook group or a, you know, maybe your brand ended up mentioned on a TikTok video that you had no idea existed, right? But like these components of the messaging are influencing that journey of the customer. And as much as we can, should definitely keep a wide purview on that journey and how to manage those touch points. When we were going back and forth a little bit about coming on this show and having this, this conversation, one of the things that you suggested talking about was communication is a great topic and reason for most customer detractor scores. Let's talk about how to balance human and automation to achieve 2022 goals and beyond. Really interested if you could double click on communication, why that's the reason for most customer detractor scores. Yeah. So communication is why brands fail or succeed. If you go back to what we were just talking about, how customers interact with brands in multi-channels, what happens is companies have leaders in the different departments. You have your online channel, your retail channel, you have your customer service and chat group. And what happens is when there's silos, the customer looks at the brand as one company, but internally they operate not that way. And that's where so much failure happens. The customer gets mixed messages, non-consistent experiences, and thus 
unhappy and Mm. often leave because of it. Do you find that dynamic of communication, is it fundamentally the same across industries and pricing segments and business models, subscription versus one-off purchase, for example? Or do you think there's specific nuances that should be called out depending on the nature of the relationship? The fundamentals are the same. We're we're all humans. I don't care what the product is. We're all humans. And we've got to do the basics right in terms of communicating within teams and across teams on behalf of the customer. Yes, I do believe in personalizing when possible. So for example, I used to work for Verizon and and other telecom companies. Well, if I know that you are an iPhone buyer, then when you come to the store or to the online channel, and especially if you're logged in, I should not send you or show you Android products because or accessories because you're an Apple user. So communicate is important, but communicating also in a meaningful way is the game changer. So let's use this as a pivot into the meat of why we do this show, which is to talk about how automation and technology can exist in this world where, and I'm 100% in agreement with you that human to human meaningful interactions are more important than they have ever been. And they've always been very important in business, right? But especially today, when so much of our lives are you know, shopping online versus going into a store, getting on Zoom meetings instead of meeting in, in, in person, right? The list goes on and on on the, the, how different modern humans interact with each other. Automation and technology clearly enables a lot of this and can help a lot of this. So when I say support automation, that term, what does that mean to you? Well, automation in general means getting out of manual, tedious initiatives to free up time. And I'm in favor of that, especially for salespeople in the front line. They've got to have, we've got to free up time and make it easier for them to go service customers. What we have to be cautious about is that automation doesn't replace the human factors. And some companies are doing that well in balancing and others are not. And those are going to be the ones who wins in the long run are going to be the ones that balance. Technology enhances customer experiences, but by no means can it replace the human relationship and connections and picking up the phone and letting customers know they matter. Yeah. The balance is very important. What do you see as an example of that balance being applied in a good way? Like when you see, because because in your position as you going around and, and speaking, and you've probably met and seen a lot of different ways of met a lot of people, seen a lot of different ways of 
of implementing this? What does what are some of the characteristics of organizations that typically do it? They first start out by talking to the customer and understanding what matters to them. How do they want to be communicated to? Mm-hmm. And then building that capability versus the other way around, building it and hope it meets the customer needs. So that starts with everything. And in terms of automation, so here's where I say in doing it right versus wrong. Mm-hmm. Many times people don't want to call an 800 number. So the ability to go online and chat is helpful and valuable. Okay, very common right now are these bots that start Mm -hmm. the conversation. Okay. Now, when I type in my question, if the bot can't answer it, which depends on the question, if it's, it's simply a, what are the hours of operation for my local store? That's quick, that's easy, done. But if I have a problem, especially if it's a high cost product or service, then frustration happens when the bot then puts me into this circle. And even when I type, talk to a representative, if I can't get there, I'm going to get so irate. And you got to avoid that. Likewise, let's say that I do get to a human, online human chat. Well, there's times where I have to repeat myself again because I've been transferred a few times, how aggravating that is. So that's where I say that you can use automation, then get to the human element, but make it a low level of effort where that conversation gets transferred and that rep then can pick up where the other left off and hurry to get me out of this chat with the solution. When you're recanting that example, I was kind of smiling because it's fascinating to me. And I'm saying this as somebody who works to bring part of capacities product mix is is chat, right? So like I sell and market some chat products here. And one of the things that I just found interesting about what you said, because it's absolutely true, the scenario you described where you say, talk to an agent and like it doesn't connect you to an agent is the exact same experience we were having 10, 15 years ago with phone system menus, right? Where you're just like, talk to an agent, speak to representative, you hit zero on the phone, it doesn't bring you to an agent. You finally get to the agent, you explain your entire situation. They then transfer you to another department, and you have to explain the entire situation again, right? Like, it's very easy, despite the technology and the advances in AI and NLP and chatbots that can hand off back and forth between humans and an AI, it's very easy to still allow the same thing that was happening 20 years ago to happen now and still be able to create that like loop of frustration that people have. So I say this to say that you're touching on something which I think is extremely important and also something I want to ask you about because I know you do a lot of work with the inside of an organization too, not just how 
customers are treated, but also how employees are managed and all of that as well. And I want to tie these two together because you have to be able to design these systems in such a way that the people who your customer service reps who do end up on the phone with the customer are well-armed, well-informed. They're not tired and cranky from answering the same question 750,000 times that day and they're empowered, right? So when you think about the customer experience and how the employee experience feeds that customer experience, what are some of the hallmarks that you've seen of organizations who empower their people properly to create that best-in-class external experience? Well, the technology that we equip our employees with makes or breaks the experience. And oftentimes, the technology that we give to employees was not created with the best user experience and UX best practices. So that's where a lot of companies fail. They check the box and they say, all right, we enable our employees to be able to have this app and do what we expect. But meanwhile, the employee can't figure out how to do what they have to do. Nobody asked them. Their input was not design in part of the design. And it's the same thing that we expect of customers where it's built from the inside out instead of the outside in. So my recommendation to people is you have to talk to users customers and users of the technology, internal and external, if you really want it to enable people to really deliver excellence. And one of the things that I see from my vantage point where, you know, we will do a speaking engagement at a conference or we'll do, you know, we'll have our webinar that will promote through, you know, customer contact week or, you know, CMS wire or whatever it is. And I see sometimes that you'll have leaders that, that they have an issue, right? NPS scores low turnover inside the contact center or whatever is high that they've got some specific issue. And there tends to be this, let me go get the one tool or consultant or whatever to band-aid this one particular issue and not thinking about the whole process holistically. My question to you, is there a framework or a first step that you would recommend? Or if there's some, what I'm getting to is if there's a customer success leader listening to this show today and is like, you know what, I do have one particular issue, but I don't necessarily know where to get started. Like what is step one? for understanding that entire sort of continuum, internal, external, like what's the, where do you start? So if you're an existing business versus starting brand new, let's assume you're an existing business. I would bring the people across the organization, the marketing, the finance, Bill and pay, a huge part of the customer journey. So there's different departments that I would intentionally bring together in a room. And I would, I workshop with people uh, and do this where I am, that 
you map out the customer journey, the way it's designed today. And then where the magic happens is then you take that journey and you validate it with real customers Mm -hmm. and you understand where's the gap. Where did you actually meet their needs and where did you miss the mark? And that's the beginning. So you would have a particular customer story, case study, advocate kind of lined up to each step in that journey so that when you say, I'm, I'm just making this up, when you, get to, when you get to billing and paying, these things are important. And here's an example of a customer of yours articulating why this step of the journey was particularly arduous or, or good for them. And then you've got sort of a, a face to the concept, so to speak, along that journey. Am I, am I summarizing that accurately? Yes. So the departments that are responsible for that experience, again, we're using paying your bill right. and invoicing and questions. There's a whole journey within that. So the ones that own that, created that experience have to be the ones that have to be in the room to be able to define, this is how we made it for the customers today. But let's say that, I don't know, customers want to be able to pay electronically and you Mm. don't offer that. Well, you wouldn't know unless you actually talk to the customer. And let's say you do have something digital, but the customer doesn't, it's, it's, difficult to use. It's not a low level of effort as we, we like to score in the CX world. Right. So you have to bring the responsible parties to the table in the design phase and then optimizing that from the customer feedback. Got it. Makes a ton of sense. One of the things about you that was really interesting to me when we first reached out to have you on is in addition to... CS and and CX, you're also heavily involved in diversity inclusion and sort of bringing representation into the workplace. You've got a whole section on doing CXright.com about it. It's an obvious connection between having a diverse workplace and those ideals and all the benefit that comes from diversity inclusion and belonging done properly in the web in the workplace and how that makes its way out to customers. But how did you first get into specifically making that a core part of what you teach and what you write about? It's really simple. If your employees feel valued and included and appreciated, they pay it forward. It's human nature. So it makes a lot of sense to give attention to diversity, equity, and inclusion. It all goes hand in hand. It's not separate. It's more of, it's integrated. And I believe in 2022 and beyond, there's specific roles in companies for diversity, equity, and inclusion leadership. And the CX team and that team have to really work closely together that's the opportunity. And I see a lot more of that happening. Yeah, that was my follow-up was in the years you've been working in this field, do you feel it's getting, do you feel progress is being made? And do you feel 
we are to me it feels like we're absolutely in the right direction still a ton of work to, to to do right but it does feel like we're going in the right direction is do you share that sentiment Yes, absolutely. We have a long way to go, but we're making great progress because we're having the uncomfortable conversations at work. And I love that we're no longer saying happy holidays, like this blanket statement. Rather, when it's somebody's holiday, I actually can go to someone and say, tell me more about it. Right. Teach me. And that's how I know progress is happening. And they're doing the same with me. That is so true, right? Like, I'm going to, and it's a little philosophical, but I think this is important. If you can have open and honest conversations with people and you learn about Rosh Hashanah versus Easter versus Kwanzaa, and, and you bring in and you're open-minded to these diverse sets of ideas and, you know, why people are taking, you know, what, why someone's off for a holiday that day, you really do open yourself up to these, to additional perspectives which translates very literally into being open and receptive to customer feedback, right? Like this, it's a very obvious line to me. And I really appreciate that you are calling this out specifically in your work because it is important and I love to see it. Do you have any advice to CX leaders who are looking to bring technology into their organization and specifically AI, because a lot of automation and a lot of the software and tools that we rely on today, there's a big AI component in this and bias in AI can absolutely be a real problem. And if you're working on um, diversity and inclusion efforts and creating an open workplace, but you have potential bias in a tool or technology, which this, this can happen, like you got to manage that. I'm curious if this is something that dealt with in some of your mentoring or writing. Yes. So diversity inclusion comes into play a couple thoughts. One, when you're designing personas, your target audience for the journey maps that you create, you got to make sure there's diversity. You can't just have your, you know, the old fashioned white male as your persona. So that's right. something that you easily, quickly can implement and be aware of as you're designing experiences. Same with the artificial intelligence and the robots that are coming. Don't have it look like, you know, what you think is you know, it's again, it's the diversity that's going to capture people's attention and belief in what you're selling and marketing. And then again, you have to be cautious because the robot or automated solutions not going to care or take time to get to know my holiday right. or your holiday. So that's where at the end of the robot, at the end of the day, there's a human behind that design. And that's where we have to change the mindset from old patterns. I love it. So we've covered a lot of very interesting topics in our conversation today, Stacey, and I really appreciate you coming on. This has been a treat for me because in the year or so we've been doing this, we don't usually get into 
this relationship between employee experience and customer experience. Usually it's sort of one or the other. And I'm especially grateful for the work you're doing on diversity inclusion and specifically too tying the through line between those efforts and the ROI that businesses achieve by, by embracing that stuff. Very grateful for that. I want to wrap up today with one final question, then we'll get into our quick fire round. When you think about the future of automation and support, what excites you the most? What excites me the most is the ability to become more efficient. I'm, I'm obsessed with being productive and not wasting time. So I believe that technology is allowing us to accomplish more so that we do have uh, more ability to connect with people if we don't have to focus on that administrative mundane kind of work. But like I said, we need this movement where people matter, people feel like they matter. That's the secret sauce. And so we need advocates to make sure that's not lost. Love it. Okay, let's wrap up with our quick fire round here. And I'm going to throw you a softball here. So what's the book you recommend most often to people who want to improve customer experience and the results of their CS team inside their organization? I'm not going to answer that with a typical customer experience book because God knows there's so many out there. My favorite keynote speakers are all wonderful. I'm going to answer this with a book that's typically more of a self-help book, but I've actually oh. translated it to the business world and have a blog article. Perhaps you'll add to the show notes. The book is called The Four Agreements. Huh. Okay. I haven't heard this one yet. It is life-changing. There's four agreements. Don't take anything personally. Don't make assumptions. Always do your best. And I'm going to leave the last one out so people go find it. I love it. And it's by Don Miguel Ruiz and Janet Mills. The four yes. agreements. Yes. And it really applies to work. It really applies to leadership and how we show up. And how we can make sure that we deliver truly excellence every day. So I recommend it. And like I said, my blog article gets into how do you really apply it to customer experiences and employee experience leadership as well. That's awesome. And for those of, of you listening, Stacy also contributed to a book called Customer Experience 2 that you can, that you can find on Amazon. I just added the four agreements to my Kindle library here. It's on sale. So thank you for that. It sounds very interesting. You said you like to be productive. And one of the things that I do once a year, I'm going to need to start preparing my 2022 version of this shortly here, is a big webinar on all the different productivity hacks and tips that I've learned in the past year. So I'm going to ask you, what's the best productivity tip or tool that you use every day? Called Things. It's an app called Things. It's one of the best to-do apps. The reason is because it's very simple, 
great user experience and it helps you bucket what you have to do now, soon, later. And it's intuitive and it synchronizes across all my different phones, iPads, computer. But again, we have so many things to do and it's really well done in how they make it easy to track your to-dos. And again, there's so many to-do apps. I've tried so many. I continue to go paper and paperless, but I always come back to this one and I can talk more about it. It's my favorite conversation, productivity. Things is a great app. It's been, I think that was one of the first apps on the app store. So that's something that those, I think it's a German company that makes it. They've been working on that thing for a very long time and have distilled what that thing does, pun intended, to the most purest form. It's a, I 100% agree with you. That is an absolutely amazing app. Shout out to uh, Culture Code, I think is the name of the yeah. developer of that. Yeah. If you could recommend one website, blog, Slack community, et cetera, for leaders in your field, aside from doing cxright.com, what would it be? Oh, I was going to say that. <laughs> I, I took away your chance at a softball for this one. <laughs> <laughs> I would say, God, I have so many favorites and lucky they've been on my podcast. I would say Shep Hyken, Dan Gingas, Jay Bear. Oh my gosh, the the list goes on. I can't pick a favorite. No, that is that is a honest and diplomatic answer. And for the listeners out there, doing cxright.com is very good. And I'm not just saying that to appease my guest here. Like Stacy has loaded this website with blogs and podcasts and links. It's almost too much information. There's so much great stuff on here. So you've done a fantastic job putting this together. And I highly recommend everyone add this to their to their readership. And it looks like you got a newsletter that we should get everyone subscribed to as well. So that's the challenge for everyone listening out there. Subscribe to Stacy's newsletter and, and, and start reading do, doingcxright.com. Okay, last question for you, Stacy. If there is one person that you could take out for coffee or a cocktail, depending on the time of the day, to pick their brain about becoming a better leader and, and, a, and a better mentor and, and more effective in the roles that, that we're in here, who would it be? Oprah Winfrey. Good answer. She's amazing. She is who I aspire to be. She keeps it real. She's authentic. She's an amazing interviewer, which is now what I study as a podcast host and I do a lot of uh, panels where I'm the interviewer. She's also a great speaker and I got to see her in person. So, and, and most importantly, back to what we were talking about before is that she really pulls out the uncomfortable conversations to make it comfortable. And I'm doing that to my best ability for the greater good. Yeah, she really is remarkable. There is something amazing about someone who has been that successful for that long and you never hear a negative thing about her. You know what I mean? So it's like she 
is exactly who she presents as being, right? And that woman has created so much value for so many people over the 30 years or however long it is, that long it's been, she's been doing it. Yeah, she's remarkable. Stacy, this has been a great conversation. Thank you so much for giving us some of your time today. I really appreciate it. Where can people learn more about you and, and what you do? Yes, I spend a lot of time on LinkedIn. I'm also on Twitter and Instagram, a little less often, but there. Doing CXWrite.com is my home away from home. <laughs> and yes, my newsletter really will keep you updated on everything you need to know to build your skills and really doing CX right is your brand differentiator. Well said. Thank you so much and have a wonderful afternoon. Thank you so much. Cheers. The Support Automation Show is brought to you by Capacity. Visit capacity.com to find everything you need for automating support and business processes in one powerful platform. You can find the show by searching for Support Automation in your favorite podcast app. Please subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Capacity, thanks for listening.